Welcome to the podcast for We Hope Glasgow. We're so glad that you're taking the time to listen to this message from Sunday. May it be a blessing to you today. All right, uh, good evening. I was, I was away last week. It's, it's fun to be back. Last Sunday, I was at Reho Belfast, our Belfast campus, and they're doing some big things. Exciting things are happening in our campus over there in Belfast. I, I, I'm so excited. I, every time I'm able to see what God's doing over there and, and to, to experience that and then come back. Now, um, not everything is going all smooth and wonderful, wonderfully. They're, they've also now entered into their own building search. Um, as, they are, as they're needing to relocate. They've been go- given notice over there that they're not going to be able to continue to meet past November in the church that they're meeting in and that, because that church is wrapping up, it's closing, and they're not going to be able to purchase that building, and so they're going to need to find a new home. We, we know what that's like. Uh, so they're in a building hunt. We've been in a building hunt ar- around here for a while. So um, in light of that, Josh and I decided to make a friendly wager uh, on this, a Twix bar, a Twix bar. Uh, so we, we have a Twix bar to see who can move into their next space soonest. And, um, and so the winner gets a Twix. So game on, church, game on. And I'm going to say it this way. Now is the time to pray hard. Now there's a Twix bar uh, on this. Um, no, no, seriously, we're praying and seeking God for, for more space uh, for us and for them. In fact, even this week, Josh and I and, and some people, we, we spent a couple days fasting and praying and, and asking God to open up, open up the next spaces, uh, both for us here and for them in, in Belfast. So we're praying and we're, we're going we're gonna to just watch and see what God is going to do. There's been opportunities here that, that we've kind of heard about and talked about over the, the last couple of years. And there's, been, there's some opportunities there. Lots of exciting things, but you just got to see what actually falls into place. And so we're praying about that. Um, but the thing is, and what I want you to know is that God has been speaking clearly. He has been speaking about, about our, our building situation. We have been praying for this for years here, and God's been speaking. He's been revealing, even recently, some of the why as to why he hasn't released space to us thus far. But he's also been speaking about how our day is coming, and we're going to get there. And I guess just ho- hopefully before Belfast, uh, but, but we're, we're going we're to get there. Uh, but that's, you know, that's one thing I love about God. God, he really does, he, he really does speak. He, he really does speak. God really does speak. Well, one of the things our staff does every other Wednesday is we get together for all staff prayer. And it's supposed to be 30 minutes, but sometimes, you know how it is when you're praying, it, it goes on. And especially when you're talking about what God was, what you're praying about and, and how that went. Sometimes it goes on longer. It's supposed to be 30 minutes. Don't tell the staff. Uh, but anyways, so we were having this, this time this week and it rotates who leads it throughout the staff. This week, Katrina Chase was, was leading the time and, and, and she basically said, okay, what I want you to do is think through the scriptures, maybe, maybe read through the scriptures. And she had some suggestions on the screen there. Uh, and she's like, okay, but I want you to be thinking about the wonder. What causes wonder when, it, when, you, when you're reading the Word of God, when you're thinking about what God is like, what is it? when you're thinking about God, what captures your wonder? And, and so I, it was time to start praying, and I, and I closed my eyes, and instantly one aspect 
of, of just leaped off the page in my mind. I hadn't even opened up my Bible yet, but it just leaped off, uh, just leaped out to me this, this thing that strikes me with, with such wonder. And it's this, this concept that God speaks. That, that God speaks. And, and I tried to think, get, get past that and think of other things throughout the Bible. And I, I wanted, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't leave that, that, that marvelous idea, that wonder filling idea that, that God actually speaks. And so I just started quoting in my head the beginning, the beginning of the Bible, <coughs> which says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Uh, the darkness covered the surface of the watery depth. The Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. But let God, then God said, then God said, and, and, and you're just thinking of the wonder, and, and even in that moment, thinking of the power of the spoken word of God. When God speaks, it is the power there. You read all through the first chapter of the Bible of God speaking and, 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 and marvel, wonder, wonder, hap, wonders happening, earth being created and, and things being put into to order, God speaking. And it's not just the first book, chapter of the Bible, also the last chapter of the Bible is full of Jesus speaking and the Spirit speaking. And you've got God speaking in the first chapter. You've got Him speaking in all the way through the Bible from beginning to end, first chapter to the last. God is speaking. God is speaking. And, and in, in those instances, the beginning and the end, you see God speaking. You know, God said this. But every word throughout the pages of the Bible is God speaking in, in one way or another. God communicating and capturing what He wants us to know. And, and, and it, whether it's warning, via stories or actually words that he has, he has spoken. But the testimony of the Bible cover to cover is God speaks. God speaks. He speaks through the Bible. He speaks through his spirit. In the Bible, we see that he speaks through people. He speaks through angels. He speaks through talking Fying donkeys? No, he doesn't think he's he, just talking donkeys once and once, once. Uh, he speaks through dreams, through visions, through Jesus' appearances. I mean, the list goes on and on the ways that, G, that, that God speaks. One of the major, major premises of the Bible, the, the, the Bible that, that teaches us what God is like, is that he speaks. That, that he is speaking and he is speaking to you says the Bible, that God is speaking to you. Now, we're, we're way ahead of ourselves. Today, we're continuing in our not study of Jeremiah. We are not in a study about Jeremiah, even though we are continuing today to talk about Jeremiah. In fact, actually today, we're picking up where we left off last week in our not study of Jeremiah. That was not the plan. It only came to me Whilst doing that prayer time on Wednesday, I kind of changed my plan a little bit. I'm like, no, this is what I want to talk about. And, and, it, and, it's, and, and what, where we pick up in the first chapter of Jeremiah is God teaching Jeremiah how to discern and how to understand what he's saying. It's a teaching bit about how to hear um, from God and, and how to understand that God's saying. But before, before we talk about that, now, if you're thinking next week, are we going to talk about Jeremiah in this not Jeremiah study? That's not my plan. My plan is to talk about God's favor next week. Actually, over the next two weeks, to talk about God's favor. Um, 
and, and what that's like and ultimately how to hold on to that for, for, for a lifetime. If you want to give me some verse in the book of Jeremiah to keep the flow going, like, hey, this is a verse about God's favor and it's in Jeremiah. Keep the series flowing. You know, I'll pray about it. But you can, you can email me. Uh, email me that. But anyways, before we get into this, into this Jeremiah message, I, I want to talk about Jeremiah, the person, a little bit, and the context. Because surprises, it's one of the most significant moments in, in Israel's history. One, one of those significant, significant moments. And I want to talk about it because actually we haven't spoken much about this time period, even though it, it's so significant. It's one of the, the worst, the darkest moments um, in, in the story of the Bible. It's one of the low, the low points in, in the Old Testament. So I'll, because we're here, I want to I highlight it. So the context and the story behind Jeremiah is this. Where does it fit in the Bible, first of all? Where does it fit? When I think through the Bible, um, the easy dates to remember is 2000 B.C., you stick Abraham there. When you're thinking about Abraham, 2000 B.C. Now, technically, most of the story that we're familiar with is more about 2100 B.C., but even though Abraham's old, he's still alive he, at, at 2000 B.C. So, okay, the Abraham story there, and then you hear about his kids and his grandkids. At the 1500 mark, you have, you have Moses. I placed Moses at the 1500 mark. Now, he's young at this point. This is before the stories that we're usually familiar with. Um, he has not yet murdered the person and, and been exiled for 40 years. He's not seen the, the burning bush, and he's not... That's all to come. At, 15, uh, at 1500 B.C., though, he's about 30 years old, and so, but he's at that mark. At the 1000 mark is David, King David. So you got that. He's king at 1000 BC. And then the next mark is, uh, I'm saying Nebuchadnezzar was king of Babylon at that time. I, I, when I was teaching this to my daughter, I talked about David and she, or sorry, Daniel, Daniel, um, all, all at the same time. But I think of, of Nebuchadnezzar at 600 BC and the destruction of, of Jerusalem and that southern kingdom. Anyway, so that's, that's the quick timeline. 2000, Abraham, followed by his kids. And then 1500 uh, with, with Moses, followed by Joshua and the period of the judges. And then you've got David at the 1000 mark. And sure, Saul was a king just before David, but most all of the kings are flowing from the 1000 mark. Solomon and, and all the kings of the north and south flying out of there until you get to 600, where Nebuchadnezzar comes in and ends the era of, of, of the kings. So that's, again, that's the thing. That's the thing. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, when he destroys the, the era of kings, and, and he comes in, there's three invasions about 10 years apart. And, and he sweeps in at 605 BC, just before the 600 mark. He sweeps in at 605 BC, and he carries off some people, and Daniel, Daniel is part of that first wave that goes off in exile. So the Daniel story begins there, 605. And then the next wave is at five, uh, sorry, six, yeah, five, nine, seven, five, nine, seven. And that is a next wave carried off. And that's the Ezekiel wave. So Ezekiel gets carried off in that next wave. So Daniel and Ezekiel, they live at the same time. And he's carried off there. And then the final one is in five, eight, seven. And that's, and that's 
the end, that's when they come in and they destroy the temple, they break down the walls, they, they burn the walls with fire, and that, that's just the, the final obliteration of that southern kingdom and Jeremiah, that's kind of the end of the Jeremiah bit. Now Jeremiah, is his story is spanning all of this. When David is taken off, um, Jeremiah is a prophet in the land. When Ezekiel is taken off, Jeremiah is still a prophet, he's staying there in the land. And then final, finally the destruction at the end and... and um, well, I don't want to give away, just in case I say more about Jeremiah this summer, um, what happens with Jeremiah. But anyway, so that's taking place. But the thing is, is Jeremiah begins his ministry during the reign of the last great king of, of Judah. The last great king in the last great revival of that, of that era. And, and actually, uh, Jeremiah being a little bit older than Daniel, a little bit older than Ezekiel, he gets to experience a lot of this, a lot of this uh, revival. Let me just place this in a context. We, we read this last week, but, but we were kind of not really paying attention to it. The first three verses of the book of Jeremiah set up the context. It says this in Jeremiah chapter 1. It says, The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, just hold onto that name, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests living in Ananoth in the territory of Benjamin. The word of the Lord came to him in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah. He's the last great king. In the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. It also came throughout the days of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the fifth month of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went into exile. So that's, that's the final one. So he is, he, from the thirteenth year, he has a forty-five-year prophetic ministry. He has a huge, one of the longest-serving prophets, even longer than Moses' prophetic ministry, one of the longest-serving prophets in the, in, the, in the whole of the Old Testament. So basically, you've got the, in the 13th year of the last great king, uh, Josiah, is when Jeremiah starts his prophetic ministry. Now, Josiah and Jeremiah are about the same age. Maybe Josiah is two years older, maybe, somewhere around. They're about the same age, though. And Josiah becomes king at eight years old. Eight years old. And then his, his grandfather, his grandfather was the most evil, wicked king in all the era of the kings of the southern kingdom. And his name was Manasseh. And for 55 years, that, that evil king was, was obliterating the worship of God. He was just stomping it out. He was getting, he was bringing in idols and he was, he's just stomping out violently and, and, and just with all kinds of evil, the worship of God. So for 55 years. And then um, Josiah's father, Ammon, was king for two more years. And so you have 57 years of evil kings who do not follow the God of the Bible, who are, who are not worshiping God in the temple. And so they're, they're dominating. And then... Josiah becomes king at eight. And when Josiah, Josiah has a heart for God. And when he's 16 years old, he, just, he gets them to clear up the temple. And, and he, gets, he gets the high priest to, to start cleaning it up. And the high priest's name was Hilkiah, which is Jeremiah's father. And he gets Hilkiah to start cleaning up the temple. And while they're renovating, whilst they're renovating the temple, something is discovered that had been forgotten for these last 57 years. And they found the words 
of at least the first five books of the Old Testament. They, they found the scrolls that had the words of Moses on them. Now, I wouldn't be surprised. I expect, my assumption is that these are the actual scrolls that Moses wrote on because they find them where, where Moses told them to put them. In Deuteronomy chapter 36, Moses writes out the copy himself and he says, keep these scrolls next to the Ark of the Covenant. Not in the Ark, but next to. And so you're supposed to have the scrolls of Moses next to the Ark. And so when they go out and they're cleaning up the, the temple, they find the scrolls, whether it's the ones actually written by Moses or not, I don't know. But they find the scrolls, they bring them out. The high priest brings them to the king, Josiah, reads them out, and Josiah's response as a, as a godly man to the word of God was, oh no. We are in trouble. We're in crazy trouble. And so he, he leads the nation in, in a 30-year revival, in a, in a repenting, in, in a turning back to God. And so you have this revival taking place over a long period of time. And during that revival, Jeremiah is called, and he becomes a prophet. And I, and I just want to, to set the context that for the first 25 years of Jeremiah's ministry, it's during good years. For 25 years, he starts off as a prophet and, and he's learning to hear God's voice. He's learning to speak it to the nation. But he's, learn, he's learning it in, in good years of, of revival, a revival that's just going to go on for a long time. And it's during those years that God taught Jeremiah to hear his voice and to understand the voice of God. Ironically, during those years God, that God was teaching Jeremiah to, to know his voice, the great revival ended because God spoke to the king, to the good king, to the godly king, the king that was, that was running after God with his heart. He, he, God spoke to that king, and the king didn't listen. And so the revival ended. And isn't that just true of just about every revival? Pretty much every revival ends this way. You've got a godly, maybe even a revival in your own heart, even just in you. You, you have a godly response. You, you, you take a step, you follow God, you follow God in obedience, or as a church, you follow God in obedience, or as a city or a nation, you follow God, you hear God's word, you respond to it, you respond in obedience, but then the day comes when you hear God speak, and you don't do it for whatever reason. Maybe because you're afraid, or because you don't like it, or because you're, you're, just, you're just kind of wondering if that's God or not. Well, that's what happened with, with King Josiah. He loved God, and then Pharaoh, king of Egypt, was marching by, and, and, um, and he wasn't attempting to, to fight Josiah. Uh, but Josiah jumped into a fight, and God spoke to him, Josiah, but Josiah didn't listen. Why didn't he listen? Well, let me just, let me just read why he didn't listen, how God spoke. And, and this is what we read in 2 Chronicles 35. In, in, it's three verses. In 2 Chronicles 35, we read this. It says, after all of, this, all of this that Josiah had prepared for the temple, after all the revival, 20, 30 years of revival and, and all that he did, Necho, king of Egypt, Egypt down here, marched up to fight at Carchemish here by the Euphrates. And Josiah, who's in the middle, went out to meet him, out to meet him kind of towards the coast. So 
he was, the plan was Pharaoh was going to go from here to fight a battle here, and Josiah is, doesn't need to, but he comes out to fight uh, uh, against Egypt. But, uh, okay, Necho, king of Egypt, marched to fight at Carchemish by the Euphrates, and Josiah went out to confront him. But Necho sent messengers to him, Josiah, saying, What is the issue between you and me, king of Judah? I have not come against you today. But I'm fighting another dynasty. It's going to be Babylon. So God, oh, God told me to hurry. Stop opposing God who is with me. Don't make him destroy you. But Josiah did not turn away from him. Instead, in, in order to fight with him, he disguised himself. He did not listen to Necho's words from the mouth of God. But went to the valley of Megiddo to fight. Ultimately, he was shot in the back. He was taken back to Jerusalem where he died. God spoke to him. He didn't listen. It cost him a life. It ended the revival. Only evil kings and then the nations destroyed. Now, there's a huge warning uh, for us here. In that story, God spoke through Josiah's enemy. Someone who Josiah didn't like. Someone who Josiah didn't trust someone who wasn't a godly follower of, or maybe even a believer in the God of the Bible. But it was God speaking to Josiah through that source. And now, I, okay, it's really, really important to be wise when receiving words from God. There's a lot of people who are speaking and claiming words of God. you got examples of this all through the Bible of people saying false words from God, false prophets, false words from God. And yet, sometimes God actually does speak through people we don't trust. And we, maybe even through our enemies. Maybe even through unbelievers. And, and that's what happened here. And because Josiah didn't believe it, and he didn't seek confirmation, and he didn't discern that actually this was God, even through a source that he didn't trust, when it actually was God speaking to him, the Bible says that's why he died. To make this more general even, sometimes God speaks in ways we don't trust or in ways we don't want to hear. God speaks, not always in ways we like. God speaks, not always in ways we like. In fact, if you have a cynical nature, it's going to be harder for you to pick up on what God's saying to you because you're always going to be challenging it in your heart, in your spirit. And you're, and you're not, not, not receiving it, not evaluating, God, is this you? Uh, you're you're going to be challenging it. And, and especially if God's speaking in, in ways that you're, you don't prefer or that you don't like or you don't trust. Maybe people you don't like or, or images you don't like. Especially if you grew up around like maybe a church that was, that was, almost, that was actually opposed to the charismatic stuff. Um, I grew up in a church more like that, and so I had baggage that I had to sort through, and I had to—I kind of had to work through that my natural repulsion to God speaking in certain ways because I had scoffed about it in my heart growing up, and I had been taught to scoff about it, and so I had to deal with baggage in that in that area because that's not how I, I wanted God to speak, even though actually it was in the Bible or things like that. It wasn't my preferred way, and so I had to. I had to kind of work through my own, my own hard things because that's not how I wanted God to speak to me. I wanted him to speak through the Bible. I wanted him to speak through godly, trusted people. I wanted him to speak through um, just the ways that I felt more comfortable with. But Josiah didn't listen 
because he didn't trust the person. He didn't trust the Pharaoh, and rightly so in, in some ways. I mean, the Pharaoh wasn't necessarily a follower of God. But because he didn't listen to God speaking through his enemy, everything changed in Jeremiah's life. Josiah died, the revival ends, and, and the months following, every, the nation turns away from God, and Jeremiah's life and ministry was radically uh, changed. It's a, it's a sad story, actually, and, and maybe we'll talk about it more in the future, but for now, I just want to say God speaks. God speaks. And not only does God speak, you are hearing him speak. God speaks, and you are hearing him. You're hearing. Now, the question is, are you perceiving it? You're hearing him speak, but are you perceiving that God is actually speaking to you? Brian, how can you say that? Well, there's lots of ways that God's speaking to you. In fact, the Bible tells me in Psalm 19, and in Psalm 19, one of, one of my favorite psalms in the Bible, one of my top 150, and, and, but no, I, I love Psalm, one, uh, psalm 19 and 119, um, but Psalm 19. Psalm 19 begins with these words. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the sky proclaims the work of his hands, God's hands. Day after day, they pour out speech. Night after night, they communicate knowledge. There is no speech. There are no words. Their voice is not heard. Their message has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. Every human being hears from God, the God who speaks via his creation. Day after day, they hear it. Night after night, they, they hear it. The message has gone out to all the earth. In fact, we discover in Romans chapter 1 that this speaking is so clear. That it's so clear. In Romans chapter 1, we, we hear that God's eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen. Clearly seen. Being understood, says Romans chapter 1. Therefore, it's so clear no one has any excuse to not believe in God because of how loud uh, God is announced in creation. Because God is speaking every day through his creation. Now, sadly, in Romans chapter 1, it's rejected, and, and, and because we reject the, the leading and the speaking of God, we're handed over and handed over and handed over, and, and things get worse and worse and worse. But God speaks, and he's speaking every day to you. If you open your Bible... God is speaking. You're reading the words of God. It, it, as, you, as you ponder uh, the, the, the creation, as you ponder uh, what, what's going on, God is, God is speaking. You're hearing. God, is, God speaks. Are you perceiving? That's the question. Are you perceiving? How are you doing at perceiving what God, the God who speaks, is speaking to you? Before, uh, before Jeremiah can become a prophet, he's got to learn how to clearly hear from God and correctly hear from God. And, and, and that's the great news. Remember, the great news is that God, not only is God speaking to you, but he is willing if you are, if you are willing. He is able if you are willing. He, he will teach you if you are wanting to walk this way to perceive and to understand and to know 
what he is saying. And that's an example that we see are seeing here in Jeremiah chapter 1. God taking a, an, a rookie, a young person, uh, and teaching him to understand his voice. Now, the thing is, is that's, that's 101 when it, if you want to follow God all the days of your life. To be able to learn to perceive and understand what God's saying to you. As a leader, as, as a leader of a church, I cannot lead the church to follow God's agenda, God's plan for a church, if I can't hear from God and know where he's wanting us to go. If you meet with a friend and you want to help your friend follow God's plans and purposes, not just general wisdom, but if you want your friend to be able to follow God's plans and purposes, then you're going to need to know how to hear from God on behalf of your friend in order to give them not just good advice, but God direction. If you want to yourself be able to follow God, you're going to be able to have to tune your ear in, not just to make good choices, but to make God-following choices by hearing from God and make, moving forward. It's not just the easy path is the right path when it comes to following God. Sometimes God directs us in weird ways, going backwards, going, going down before we go up, and uh, just all sorts of ways. We've got to learn how to hear uh, God speaking. Anyways, before we can lead ourselves, before we can lead other people, before we can lead at bigger levels on God's paths and plans. So let's look here at how God teaches Jeremiah to perceive and to know and, and, uh, and understand what, what he's saying. Uh, this is what we read in Jeremiah chapter 1, picking up in verse 11, having left off in verse 10. And, and this is what we read. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, asking, What do you see, Jeremiah? I replied, I see a branch of an almond tree. The Lord said to me, you have seen correctly for, here's the meaning, I watch over my word to accomplish it. <laughs> Again, the word of the Lord came to me inquiring, what do you see? And I replied, I see a boiling pot, its lip tilted from the north to the south. Then the Lord said to me, disaster will be poured out from the north on all who live in the land. Indeed, I'm about to summon all the clans and kingdoms of the north. This is the Lord's declaration. They will come and each king will set up his throne at the entrance to Jerusalem's gates. They will attack all our surrounding walls and, and, and all the... And, the, uh, and all the other cities of Judah, I will pronounce my judgments against them for all the evil they did when they abandoned me to burn incense to other gods and to worship the works of their own hands. Both taking place before uh, Josiah's kingship, Manasseh and Ammon, those, those kings. But I love this. I love this section here because God is teaching Jeremiah how to see and perceive and understand. God gave Jeremiah a picture. Now, the first one is a branch, a branch of an almond tree. And I guess I, I just assume, because I just assume that this is a, a mental image. It, it, could have, it could be, I don't care. It could be an actual, what are you looking at? I'm looking at an almond branch. It could be the case. But I assume it's, it's just a mental image. It doesn't matter. Um, I'm assuming it because, because God says, you see correctly. And also because the next example is definitely a mental picture. But, but so, so he says, what do you see and, and, and then he, he says, I see an almond branch, and then God confirms that. Yes, you're seeing correctly. But then what, we, what we understand is that seeing or perceiving what God is wanting you to see or hear isn't enough. It's not enough for Jeremiah to be like, I see an almond branch. Great, you see it. No, we need to perceive 
And then we need to move from perceiving to understanding. From perceiving what God is saying to understanding what God means by what he's, what he's saying. So God speaks. We have to move from perceiving to understanding. God has given Jeremiah a picture, but now God wants to give him understanding so that Jeremiah will know why God showed him this picture, in this case, an almond branch. So he does that, and God explains it so Jeremiah is going to understand. And he explains, the reason why I've shown you an almond branch is so because I want you to know and I want your message to be that I will watch over my word to accomplish it. That's why I'm showing you an almond branch. <laughs> Okay, wait, what? How, how do we get from almond branch to God's message, I'm watching over my word? It's not necessarily where, where we would just naturally jump from an almond branch to, of course, that means God's watching over his word to accomplish it. But see, that's the thing with pictures. That's the thing with pictures. If God shows you a picture, you're not done. You're not done by seeing the picture. If God shows you a picture, what that means is, God wants to tell you something. It, it means he wants to communicate. He wants you to understand something, but he, you haven't gotten there yet. You just know that he wants to communicate something to you. That, see, uh, too many people, too many people think that if God shows them a picture, that, yay, God has God spoken to them and, and they're excited. Well, okay, kind of, but, but really the picture the picture means that God wants to tell you something that you will understand. God wants to give you understanding. He wants to tell you something and give you understanding. And so you've got the picture. That means God wants to tell you. So now you've got to wait. And now you've got to listen. And now you've got to continue to listen to see what God actually wants to say via the picture. The picture is like hearing a knock on the door. And, and if you hear a knock on the door, if you're not a super introvert, you'd be like, yay! If you're an introvert, you're like, go away. Uh, but, but you're probably not going to be rude. Anyways, I don't know what you're going to do. Anyway, so let's just say you're normal, and, and somebody knocks on the door, and, and you, you're like, great, someone wants to say something to me. Someone's here, and I'm going to hear from them. You hear the knock, but you haven't heard actually what they're here to say yet. Unless you get up, and then you go over to the door, and you open the door, and you greet them. And then you get to understand and, and, and hear what they, what they want to communicate. You've heard the knock. You know that they want to speak to you. But you've got to take another step in order to hear what actually the message is. Uh, this last year, I was, I was praying for someone down in the greater Birmingham area. I... I, that could be an oxymoron, greater Birmingham area, but I was down there, I was, I was praying for someone, at, and, and dur while I was praying for him, God showed me a picture, and he showed me this fence post, and I'm like, okay, I, I don't understand this, I don't understand this at all, and, and there was kind of a time limit on this, I only had 10 minutes, and the time is ticking by, and I'm, I'm just... I see a fence post, but I have no idea. Now, if I would have said to this guy, his name was Darren, if I said, Darren, uh, God showed me a fence post, um, that would have been worthless to him. In fact, it would have been lazy. It would have been like hearing a knock on the door. I would just be telling him, Darren, basically what I'm saying is, God has something to say to you through me, but I can't be bothered to figure it out. I, I don't want to wait for it. 
I, I don't want to keep seeking it. But just know, hey, good news, God wanted to speak to you through me. I'm just too lazy. See, that's, that's the fail on giving someone a picture, but not waiting then for the meeting. Now, in that time, I had to wait an uncomfortably long time. And I was like, time's running out. I've, it's been like 10 minutes, and I, I don't know what this is about. And, 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 but eventually, the understanding came because God really did want to speak to him. And even though I felt uncomfortable waiting for it, it was God and God wanted to communicate. So eventually he gave me the understanding. But the thing is, the picture wasn't the message. The picture is not the message. You have to wait for the message. You have to wait for the message. Jeremiah is doing that here. God is teaching this to Jeremiah. Almond branch. Great. But the almond branch is not the message. So almond branch, great. Why? Okay. Why? Because I'm watching over my word to make sure, make, it, make sure it's accomplished. Now you're like, how do you get there? How do you get there? It's a play on words. It's a play on words. Almond branch, saked, watching, soked. Saked, soked. Uh, what do you see? Saked. Well, great. That means I am soked. I soke, I'm watching over my words to make sure it's accomplished. Wow, I wouldn't have put that together. I would have thought that it had to do with an almond branch as opposed to a play on words and word sounds. But, but that's, that's the thing. It's, it's like you see a picture, you don't make up anything. You have to wait for God's understanding. And eventually he gets that God understanding and, and uh, God made it clear. So he got the right message. The next picture is he perceives a boiling pot and then God gives him the understanding that there's a judgment plan there. Again, that picture in his mind perceiving, but then God understands explains the picture understanding. There's other examples in the books, not just mental pictures. And, and, I, and I, I give this example later on in the book just because it's, it's not like God just speaks through mental pictures. In, in verse 18, he's speaking through something that Jeremiah is observing with his eyes in real life. And, and this is what he sees in, verse eight, in chapter 18. A very famous story, uh, moment here. In Jeremiah 18, verse 1, it says, This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down at once to the potter's house. There I will reveal my words to you. So that's all he knows. Go to the potter's house. That's it. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was. Mr. Potter. I think his name was Harry. And he was, he was there pottering, working away at the wheel. But... The jar that he was making from the clay became flawed in the potter's hand. So he made it into another jar as it seemed right for him to do. The word of the Lord came to me, house of Israel, can I not treat you as the, this potter treats his clay? This is the Lord's declaration. Just like clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, house of Israel. Okay, so... This is God speaking through what he is actually physically seeing, what Jeremiah is seeing. Jeremiah, here's a God wants to say something to him, go down to this place. He doesn't say anything else. And so Jeremiah is just there. He's just observing. He's just observing. He's looking and he sees the potter. He sees the potter, potter pottering, pottering, pottering around. And he's, he's pottering. And then there's, there's a flaw. God's not saying anything during this time. He's just observing. He doesn't even know what he's looking for. He doesn't know. Maybe it's a, there's a spider that he wants to talk about. He's, but he's just watching. And then the, the, and then the whole event unfolds until the, the potter makes an entirely new, new pot. And then after that, God gives him understanding. Sometimes 
God, love, God loves to speak through what you're actually seeing. Maybe you, you're, you're seeing the sunrise, and then God wants to speak to you. Maybe about a new, a new day. Or maybe you're, you're, seeing a, uh, you're, you're, you're watching a river flowing, and God wants to speak to you. Or you're standing on top of a row, and God wants to speak to you based on what you're, you're seeing. And, and his word comes to you as you're enjoying or as you're seeing something unfold. Or maybe you're seeing some event happen on, on the street. Now, Jeremiah, in this moment, he's not there to make an analogy himself. Oh, I see a potter doing this. Well, you know what? God's like this. Now, there's a place for that, but that's not, that's not hearing from God in that way. He, he saw this event take place, and then he waited until God gave him the understanding. This autumn, I was feeling overwhelmed uh, at this particular time. And, and I, I was just feeling completely crushed, completely crushed by all the pressures at the time. And, and I know that um, several of you know what times of, like, of life are like, uh, times like that are like, uh, where you can't even think straight, where you can't even talk straight. And you're just feeling crushed. And, and I, I, was, I was just feeling all this disappointment and, 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 and just heart exhaustion and anxiety and all that sort of stuff. And God had been saying so many things to me. He'd been saying and encouraging me, and, and yet it had been taking so long for these things to come about. Well, in the autumn, I, I found myself just so worn down on this particular day, just so exhausted. And, and so I went out for a, a walk with God, a prayer walk, and, and it, was a, it was a cloudy day. It was raining. It was lightly raining. I mean, imagine that in Scotland. It's hard to imagine, but yeah, it was true that day. And it was lightly raining, and I'm walking, and my head is down, and I'm just, I'm in that posture, that heavy posture of just like the burdens of life crushing down on me. And I'm just looking down barely, but mostly um, just, just, just trying to keep step after step, and I'm, I'm praying to God. And, and, and in that moment, I just felt like I, it was to, I needed to look up. And that was a little God nudge. It was so subtle I didn't realize what was happening at the time, but just like God nudged my heart, look up. And I looked up, and there was a magnificent rainbow in the sky. And just those words, God always keeps his promises. And I cried. I cried. It was just the encouragement I needed at that moment. God speaking through this, this beautiful moment of creation, rainbow, and lifting my head, God always keeps his promises. I cried, and I took a picture. I took a picture. I'm like, this is one of those, one of those God moments. God speaks. Are you perceiving? Are you pursuing understanding? Are you, are you pondering what God's saying to you? God's speaking to you every day. Now, I understand that, that there are some Christians in our generation who wonder if God is speaking to them sometimes, maybe like through a rainbow or something like that, or, or if they're just making it all up, maybe through a picture. And, and, I, and I understand that there's people, as strange as that sounds, who, who struggle with this idea that God might be speaking to them through everyday things because they're so everyday. Or because it's in their mind and their imagination. They're like, well, I'm pro it's in my imagination. I must be just making, making it up. But the thing is, God loves to speak, and he's speaking to Jeremiah in through everyday things. Through everyday common things, pictures in his imagination, uh, things that are playing out in front of him, God likes to speak this way, but you're not going to know if it's you or if it's not you unless you take the time, unless you teach yourself to ask God 
Is this you? Give me understanding. Give me understanding. Give me meaning. On the 28th of April, not, not very long ago, uh, I woke up at 3 in the morning, and I felt a little bit more alert than usual. Uh, I guess it's 3 in the morning, so anything is a little bit more alert than usual. And, and, I, and I decided to go and I get a drink of water. I walked into the kitchen, and I, I got a sip of water. And, and I was feeling a bit more alert, and I felt like God in that moment was telling me, Brian, I want you to go and pray for a bit. Now, I remember staring at the fridge with the water in my hand and thinking, okay, it's three in the morning. It's, just, it's after three in the morning. And I, but I feel like God wants me to pray for a bit. I, I can think of something else I'd rather be doing right now. But, okay, uh, it, if there's a chance that this is God, if there's a chance, A, that he wants to hear my prayer now and answer it, great. If he wants to speak to me right now, okay, I'm game for that. And so I put the water back in the fridge, closed the fridge, and I went back, to, went to my my prayer place on the sofa, and I, and I just sat there, and I started praying. But you know, it's like 3 in the morning. It's 3.15, 3.30 in the morning, and, and I'm, I'm trying to pray, but I'm having some concentration issues. And so I'm praying, God, please help me. And then I'm like, wow, that is a real bright star out there. Oh, okay, I'm supposed to be praying here. And I'm like praying and praying and praying, and then you're just like, wow, there's a, there's a really nice star. That's a nice star out there. And then, and then I'm praying, and I'm like, oh, I got I to, I God said he wants me to pray. And so I'm, I'm fighting this back and forth for like a half an hour, like trying to stay focused and praying because God wants me to pray. And, and then finally I'm like, what the crazy, that star is so bright. What is the deal with that star? I, I, have I ever seen a star that bright before? I don't know. That, that is like the brightest star I've ever seen. And there's like these clouds all around it. And I can only see this, this star. I'm like, is there any other stars in the sky? This bright one is just staring at me. Is that the North Star? No, no, that's south. This is, no, this, no. Okay, that's the exact opposite direction. Okay, I'm looking at this bright star. In this, is, what is the star, a bright star in the south? I don't know. I don't hardly know anything about stars. Is there a bright star? I, what is going on here? Man, it must be a planet. I can't even imagine a star being this bright. Is there a planet out here right now? So I Googled. Is there a, okay, I'm either way distracted or I'm way on track. And sometimes, and sometimes you never know. <laughs> so I'm Googling, is there any planets visible right now? And sure enough, in the night sky, the planet Jupiter is supposed to be like about that high off the horizon right now. I'm like looking at the picture. I'm looking at the trajectory. I'm like, wow, that's Jupiter. I'm staring at Jupiter. Who knew? Who knew? I didn't even know Jupiter was, was this bright. Isn't it supposed to be red? Isn't it supposed to have a spot on it? I don't know what's going on. I don't know anything about planets uh, other than um, the heavens declare the glory of God and all that, uh, everything else that I know about planets. But anyways, I'm, I'm looking at this thing and thinking, wow, I'm looking at Jupiter. And, and, and in that moment, it was God spoke. And he says, Brian, that's the king planet. That's, that's, the, that's the king planet. That's the, that's the king star. And, and, and I, I went back and I thought about the Bethlehem story, about the star, the, king, the, the star announcing the king of kings, Jesus being born. And, 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 I, and I felt like God was saying, Brian, that's the king star. And I wanted to wake you up and I wanted you to see, I wanted you to notice that the kings, I wanted you to see the king, kings, the king planet to know that just like the star announced that Jesus was being born to the magi who were far away, I want you to know that the king is coming and answer your prayers, that Jesus the king is coming. And answer to your prayer. I wanted to wake you up. I wanted you to pay attention to that star. And I wanted you to know that, that Jesus the King is coming and answer your prayers. God loves to speak. God speaks. God speaks. He's speaking every day. 
He's speaking every day. And just like Jeremiah had to do, we all need to learn to, to perceive what God is speaking to this. If this would have happened to me 20 years ago, I wouldn't have got that. I wasn't dialed in back then. And then we need to seek to understand what God means by what he's saying. King star, king's planet, what, what's that about? Oh, Bethlehem, okay, okay, great. But there's one more thing, and it's in one, the next verse in Jeremiah here in chapter 1. There's one more thing after perceiving, after understanding. Verse 17 says this uh, to Jeremiah. God says to Jeremiah, now get ready. Stand up and tell them everything that I command you. Do not be intimidated by them, or I will cause you to cower before them. So after perceiving, after understanding, came the response. God speaks. We got to move from understanding to responding. Got to move from understanding to responding. God, what do you want me to do with what you've spoken to me? Do you want me to be encouraged? When you're praying for someone, do you, do you want them to be encouraged? Do you, do you want them to respond to this? Do you want me to feel hope? Do you want me to be encouraging of someone else? Do you want me to act on this in some sort of way? Do you want me to move from discouragement to, what do you want me, how do you want me to respond? And I've had times where God's warned me about things so I knew how to respond the next day here at church where God said, this is going to happen. I want you to, I want you to know about that. Um, I've had times where I was discouraged and God wanted to remind me that he's paying attention. God loves to remind discouraged people that he's paying attention, that he loves you, that he cares about you, that you're not alone. And for me, like he promised, the king is coming. Jesus is going to come and do all that he said he's going to do. God always keeps his promises. God gives understanding for reasons. Make sure that you're responding rightly to the revelation that God's given you. The wonder that God speaks. God speaks every day, day after day, night after night. What a wonderful God that, that he speaks. I've got a few challenges if you want to grow in this area. Four challenges. Challenge number one, a book recommendation. A book called Can You Hear Me by Brad Jerzak. It's a very helpful uh, learning to kind of get, is God actually speaking to me or not? Uh, it will help it kind of work that process and kind of to grow in this idea of God speaking. Um, we're going to have some training uh, coming in August uh, on a Saturday, some, some prophecy training. As they consider coming to our training on discerning God's heart this autumn. I think it's going to be potentially in August. Um, if you want to be a part of an eight-week video series, that's going to be Starting this summer, what does it say? Yes, uh, uh, starting this summer on, on prophecy. Let Ruth, our lead pastor, know if you're interested in that eight-week video series. Um, just ways to grow there. Uh, as a, as a, something to try this week, I, I want to encourage you to try this. See how it goes. A, like a Jeremiah prayer walk. And here's the questions to ask. God, where do you want me to go? And then just don't overthink it. First thing, go there. Go there. And then, God, what do you want me to perceive or what do you want me to notice? I'll wait. And just wait. God, then what do you want me to understand about this? And then wait. And then, God, what do you want me to, how do you want me to respond? What do you want me to do in light of this understanding? G give it a go. 
It might go well, it might, it might, it might not go well, but that's fine. I, I'd love to hear. This is just trying try to give this a go. This is one of those ways that, that God does like to speak. Give it a go.